Hey, podcast listeners, have you checked out NPR's newest podcast yet? It's called Hidden Brain, and it's hosted by Shankar Vedantam. And on the latest episode, he looks at the consequences of near misses. Plus, he plays a game of Mad Scientist with country singer Casey Musgraves. Listen now on the NPR One app, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the StoryCorps podcast. I'm Michael Garofalo. In this episode, we're going to hear stories of people who were in the right place at the right time. And not only were they in the right place at the right time, but they made it count. Our first story starts in 1945 in Brooklyn, where the Goldstein family was living on the fifth floor of an apartment building. One day, the youngest Goldstein, Marvin, he was just a toddler, leaned too far out of the window and plummeted toward the street below. Now, Marvin survived and more than 60 years after the event, came to StoryCorps with his son, Eric, and talked about just how he managed to make it out alive. Sal Moriello, who was a barber, was coming home early that day and he heard a woman scream. She pointed up to the window and he took off his coat and I fell into his arms. Is that what happened? I mean, he took his jacket off and he used his jacket as a bit of a net to catch you? Yes. Good thing he was a good catch. (laughs) (laughs) So I fractured my nose, but there was no trauma. And I became very popular in the neighborhood. My mother's name was Blanche, and I was known as Blanche's son who fell out of the window. Whatever happened to Sal? I mean, he's the patron Saint Sal. He's our hero. Well, it turned out that his daughter was a reporter, and every Passover holiday, he would say, I wonder what happened to Marvin Goldstein. So finally she said, Dad, let's see if we could find out. And so what happened was we met, and it was absolutely thrilling to see Sal. We hugged, we kissed. And it was a glorious reunion. I I remember that because it was on my birthday, April 24th, Uh 1988. And I got a copy of the Daily News. And there was a picture on the cover of you and Sal and headline catch. We went to the building where I fell out from the window and he caught me. And he told Mom and I that he kept the jacket with the blood from my nose. He never cleaned it. And he kept it in his closet. His wife said that this was one of the most important days in his life. And I said, well, his being there for me, of course, was one of the most important days in my life. And he was just so, so happy that we were together again. Grab your coat, get your hat, leave your worries. On the doorstep, just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. That's Marvin Goldstein with his son Eric in New York City. Marvin survived because Sal Mariello was in the right place at the right time and he reacted in just the right way. And you hear about these situations where somebody grabbed someone's arm as they were falling off a subway platform or someone got pushed out of the way of oncoming traffic by a bystander who was paying better attention than they were. And these are reflexes. You don't have time to think about what you're going to do. You just do it. 
Well, these next two stories are different because they're about people who were in the right place at the right time, and then they made a choice about what they were going to do. And in both stories, the choice they made was not necessarily the easiest one for them. Let's start with John Brown. He was interviewed by his older brother, Paul. When did you first find your voice? Well, I guess I found my literal voice in 1993. I was driving to work, scanning through the stations, and uh, I landed on Joy and Praise. 101 something. WJYP Praise 101. Good morning. Our time is 10.02. The announcer was saying all these terrible, untrue things about gay and lesbian people and about how crude they are. And so I pulled off the side of the road and I went to a payphone and I called him and I said, what are you thinking? If you're going to talk about gay and lesbian people, you should have somebody gay and lesbian on the show to provide a balanced perspective in the very least. Oh, we've tried many times to get somebody on the show. And I said, I'll be on your show. And he said, no, you won't. People say that, but they won't show up. And I said, you tell me the time and the place, and I'll be there. And he said, we're going to have a live segment. If you want to be here, we'll put you on the show for 10 minutes. And I said, okay. I hung up the phone, and, of course, I was shaking like a leaf. And I went to the Hardee's across the street, and I got $5 and quarters, and I called everybody I knew. And I said, you've got to call into this show because I'm absolutely petrified. So at any rate... I went up there, and we were in this little studio, and I remember there was a bare light bulb hanging down from the ceiling. We welcome you today to the Thursday Forum. With us in the studio, we have John Brown. We went through the first 15 minutes, and he said, I'm sure you won't want to stay. And I said, no, I'm perfectly comfortable. I'll I'll sit here until you're ready to turn off the microphone. And we sat there for another two and a half hours and talked about these issues. I was just as comfortable as I could be because what I was there to say... I don't believe I'm an abomination. I don't believe I ever have been or ever will be. I just felt so empowered, even though 99.9% of the callers who called into that show just talked about me like I was a dog. The majority that are in the homosexual community have hundreds or even thousands of partners. That didn't matter. What mattered is that there was somebody out there in that audience who was listening, who needed to hear. It was okay. And that was the only person I was worried about. The rest of those people didn't matter at all to me. When I think about you, I think about all the things that you've done in your life and the way that you walk your talk, and I really admire that because I don't know very many people in my life like you, and my relationship with you has had one of the most profound effects on who I am as a person. There will never be words for it, but thanks. I appreciate that. I really do. That's John Brown, interviewed by his brother, Paul Corbett Brown, in Charleston, West Virginia. Special thanks to John for sharing that tape recording of his radio appearance. So John Brown had a couple of opportunities to back out once he made his decision, but he didn't. And neither did Felix Aponte. He came to StoryCorps in New York City with his friend, Rob Sanchez. They both served time at Sing Sing Penitentiary, but they didn't meet until they were out. Felix was coming to a a job placement center where I worked as a case manager. I think Felix was 19, 20 years old. Yeah, I was 20. And immediately I saw that he was pain in the ass. I could tell off the back that he's just going to tell me the truth. He's not going to beat around the bush. And... Me and him click because, you know, once you do time, it's like 
There's a bond. Yeah. So Rob and Felix became friends. Then Rob was diagnosed with an aggressive form of kidney disease. I was sick. I had no job. I was lonely. And then Felix called me. We, We were talking for a while, and you told me that you had kidney disease. I was like, but you don't got nobody that will donate. So, you know, here I am. I'm in good health. Plus, I wanted to do something good in my life for the first time. You know, all I've done is, like, mischief and... Start trouble. Well, I don't start trouble. Trouble finds me. Yeah, I've heard that before. I was like, what's up? So, what about me? You think I could get tested? I mean, like, I got mad tattoos, so I don't know if I could donate. So then you were like, yeah, right, whatever. All right, Felix. And you just kept on brushing it off. And I kept on telling you. The day that I believed it was the day that we went in for our last checkup. And we're sitting down and Felix has a Plaxico Burris jersey on. And they're checking me and they're checking Felix. And Felix looked up and said, look, I want to do this. That's when I knew that it was, was on. And sometimes when I'll play the Mega Millions, <laughs> I'll play the Mega Millions and you don't know this, and I lose, I'm okay with it because I felt like I won already because he saved my life. What greater gift is that? That was my million dollars. That's Rob Sanchez with his friend Felix Aponte in New York City. And before we go, just a reminder, it's fall, which means Thanksgiving is coming up, and so is the great Thanksgiving listen. Go to our website, download our app, and find out how you can take part. Until next time, I'm Michael Garofalo, and this has been the StoryCorps Podcast. Thanks for listening. Hey there, just one final reminder to check out the new NPR podcast, Hidden Brain. You can get it on the NPR One app, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts.